Hi, everyone. This is the Ignoramus's Guide to Surviving Humanity. Um, I'm Eliana Chan here with uh, Wei Chan and a special guest. Hello. Who's an expert on our top? Well, yeah. <laughs> she has more thoughts and more knowledge than we do about our topic today, which is we're going to discuss the COVID 19 hate crimes bill. <laughs> All the media coverage that I've um, read or, or watched on it has been like, this is a very uncontroversial bill because it's mm -hmm. anti-Asian hate. I mean, like prevention of, don't you, well, it's not really, it's not really prevention, <laughs> right? But right. it says like, it's basically like, are you for anti-Asian hate or against? <laughs> <laughs> so really, there's like, there should okay, be Okay, so it's confusion straight away, basically. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a triumph of bipartisanship. Uh, I mean, it passed through the House, like with I think one dissenting or mm -hmm. one no vote, and it just it just passed the Senate. I think with over sixty Republicans voting against it. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, it does seem very uh, very. So we Republican? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, in our in our current universe, right? At least yeah, if you're not. If you're not Republican, then you're a liberal, um, but people forget about the leftists. Uh, so. <laughs> maybe, maybe those 60 Republicans voted against it because they thought it didn't do enough to, um, to combat structural racism. <laughs> you never to know. Or not enough to create more structural racism. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it didn't go far point. enough to give police more powers to um, to harass black and brown people. So I think yeah. Biden just signed it into law, which means it's now the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act, so. Okay. And also, um, did you hear his speech about it? It was basically about how America is better than this, or uniting against hate is what an American trait is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's interesting how he never mentions the other American traits, uh, and you know that's, that's one major reason why it was it's very difficult, like as a leftist, to take Biden very seriously because every time he speaks on issues of racism, whether it's you know against Asians or you know um, the mistreatment of Black people, uh, his response is always you know this is un-American and you know, it's unprecedented or we don't, you know, we don't really, um, we don't really abide by this. You know, this is not something that we subscribe to. And it's like, well, it's literally, literally the institutions that you are part of is what it's built on and is what is currently operating under. So it just, it always just seems very disingenuous to me um, when he says things like that, kind of. Yeah, it sort of panders to, I guess, that sort of like, self-soothing i don't know like fairy tale um thing but i don't know how many americans really buy into it a lot i think liberal <laughs> america does i think a lot. yeah i think you know just judging by yeah let's segue into biden for a second just uh you know last year you know when the protests were happening when uh when you know multiple things were happening right like people wanted something to change on the ground right some people wanted immediate change to see you know to prevent black people from being killed in the street essentially by police you know um and, and violence in general and there was also the pressure the mounting pressure right to make sure that donald trump doesn't come back into office um and on that second front you know it was very much like I felt like there was a very strong liberal message of, you know, vote for Biden and things will change, you know, vote for Biden and Kamala. And, you know, somehow they will just immediately like end mm -hmm. this nightmare that we're living in and, you know, everything will be better. Um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of this disconnect and we can talk about how this disconnect exists right now as well between like the Hate Crimes Act versus, you know, what activists and community leaders actually want. So, you know, Black Lives Matter, uh, and you know the black liberation movement as a whole right are saying we want these things right we, we need like we need to defund the police we need these uh, other things and um and then also addressing the the riots or like the violence well not violence the the destruction of property that was happening right and saying yeah we're not advocating for this but you can understand why people are upset you know uh, rioting is a language of the unheard you know all of that stuff and then you know his response was just so incongruent right it was like at such a different level it was, you know I, I condemn, and mo more recently as well, you know, he condemned rioting, you know, regardless of what was causing it. He condemned destruction of property. You know, he never once advocated for 
defunding of the police. So, you know, it, it was very, He's very, yeah, exactly. So it was very, again, disingenuous of liberals to say, if you vote for Biden, then all of these, you know, good things will come to pass when that was never promised. And it was never what any activist or any one working on black liberation actually wanted. So, you know, it just, again, just feels, it feels, you know, it, it doesn't, it feels like what we were anticipating came to fruition, right? You know, nothing, nothing majorly has changed. You know, we're still, <laughs> we're still giving uh, money to Israel. We're still bombing the shit out of the Middle East. Like, you know, it, what really has changed, right? Of course, not having Trump on Twitter and just being in our daily lives is good, but, you know, anti-transgender um, bills are being passed and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, challenges to Roe versus Wade, which was, you know, the, um, the, the case that gave everyone the right to abortion that's also now being challenged in the courts so most people will say like okay i'm against anti-asian hate right and then that's kind of it but versus what so if you're against that now what is kind of the thing so the double negative is really confusing me it as well. is confusing. You're, you're against anti-asian wait wait so you're pro asian hate <laughs> What I'm, I, um, yes. And the other one, <laughs> and again, Asian hate. There you go. See, that's the way you have to do it. But basically, what is? There's been a lot of organizations that have come out, come up in the past year. Anti, anti Asian hate organizations. See, that makes well a big difference. Thank you. <laughs> um, and so. But what are their goals? You know, what what are their tangible goals? I think so. Yeah, I mean, the the ones that I subscribe to at least. So AAPI Women Lead. Um, that's a great organization, and I think the name kind of speaks for itself, right? They're all about, yeah, actually having like AAPI women like lead the conversation, lead <laughs> lead the fight, like lead the policy discussions, uh, you know, lead. I'm going to stop you there because, <laughs> <laughs> and this is my own, like my own um, hesitation around identity politics, which mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, me and Wei had like a little bit of a conversation about like how, you know, and we've had conversations about that too, but it's like, it can it's legitimate in many ways. And then it's weaponized in many ways. And mm -hmm. the only reason I would stop you there is just because I think the spearheading of this bill were by two or I think yeah. The main one, one yeah, one Asian American, American, yeah, from from Queens in New York, and one Hawaiian uh, right. American. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, they live in the democratic machine, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> yeah, they do. But I think if if you were going to be superficial about it and just be like Asian American voices creating policy, mm -hmm. they were Asian American, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, that's so. a very fair point. Um, so yeah, that brings us to step two, right? Yeah, one, step one, <laughs> make sure that we're listening to to Asian voices, especially Asian women. Step two, right, what are they advocating for? And, you know, we can, t we can say the same about Andrew Yang, right? Very much East Asian, but very much problematic Maybe. and not not even yeah not nowhere near the type of politician that we want to be electing or putting in positions of power. Um, so yeah, step two is definitely, you know, what are they advocating for? Um, and yeah, so there's, there's this distinction between, you know, a, a liberal politician working within the democratic establishment and what they're able to, or what, well, you know, what they, you know, let's, let's not be cynical, right? You know, what do they personally believe uh, and what they can personally achieve in their position versus, um, you know, people, uh, organizations like AAPI Women Lead who take a more holistic approach. Um, and a more community-based approach. Um, so there's them, and then there's Red Canary Song as well, who ever since um, the shootings in Atlanta um, have been kind of uh, put back into the spotlight in the work that they do in New York City, which is protecting and advancing the rights um, of sex workers who are, you know, who can be obviously East Asian or, or um, other minorities as well. And, um, and yeah, and they really advocated for, you know, the story of, of Yang Song who was murdered in like 2018. So um, yeah, so I, I mostly follow, um, or I mostly look at the work done by uh, folks who are more, uh, whose solutions are more, you know, rooted in the community and solutions are who are like, more, which are more anti-carceral and who take stories and inspirations from, from people who've been, you know, affected by the system, right? Versus people who are, 
perpetuating the systems that are are still hurting us um so but yeah Which but then what this build i mean what this act does i guess as you said um because it really i mean i just read it skimmed it because it's, <laughs> i don't think it's that comprehensive as bills are not that comprehensive yeah um, i mean it has to get passed right that's that's the thing isn't mm -hmm. it like regardless right. of what the people like you know believe who who are advocating for it like it's a bill that has to get passed and was approved by um uh, a whole bunch of people yeah republicans made yeah. made uh, adjustments to it for sure mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. sorry carry on yeah so so you're saying that it has to be it will be slightly compromised already mm -hmm. is that what you're saying a lot <laughs> I, yeah i don't know yeah I think you're right. There'll be amendments, etc. But I think it just it. The problem with it is its its scope is very narrow. So it's mm -hmm. basically just about grants. It's really like grants for police, grants for this, right? Like that's basically what it um the it, the 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 bill writers um like their their purported focus is um giving local authorities one the uh kind of the ask that they record um you know these acts as hate crimes which you know in itself uh, okay i mean assault is assault uh <laughs> you know robbery is robbery um these are already criminalized acts um so adding the hate crime element to it like okay uh, what does that do well it says then that you know so it um it basically yeah uh, prompts them to to record these at hate, hate crimes which then gets reported at the federal level which then you know the federal government can you know do research or you know do analysis and then you know make policy changes or recommendations which they're not i don't think they're obliged to do under this bill or this act um but i think that is what they're purporting will and time on something that is like a circular thing because it's like you you're just going to get more information on the hate crimes um which is a good thing which hate well, crimes is already designated uh as a, a thing uh, in the mm -hmm. u.s uh mm -hmm. it's this is this isn't adding anything that wasn't already criminalized under law to mm -hmm. begin with right so it's, right, yeah, so, right, right. so the only thing that's being added here is the grant or the money put in to a more efficient sort of yeah yeah so, so I, I was reading through it and I think none of those things are bad. So having multilingual support on a hotline, that's yeah. good. Um, having people, having officers take you seriously when you report a hate crime, that's also good. Um, but again, it's extremely narrow. So what, what I see is an improvement in the experience of reporting for uh, people and uh, for people reporting those hate crimes, uh, language support, uh, that kind of thing. So I think that's that's all good stuff, but it's extremely narrow. For example, this is this is tackling uh, not for example, but um, but what I think is that this is tackling um, basically the inefficiencies in in the police um, when it comes to recording hate crimes, which is fine. Um, does it do anything to tackle hate crime? No. Does it does it do anything to reduce those incidents of hate crimes? No. So that's what does I see it, from this bill. And also, does it even help mm. the people who have been a victim of mm. violence, right? Um, you know, in in looking at non-carceral solutions, in looking at, uh, you know, in in framing these things like with an abolitionist lens, right? You know, uh, again, it's it's not about not wanting consequences when when bad things happen. It's about you know, do punishments help either the person that has been harmed, and does it help the the perpetrator, you know, not be harmful again, right? And with punishment and with viewing things as crime and punishment, neither of those things happen, right? Like the victim, the person who's been hurt doesn't feel better, doesn't get to heal, or at least the state does not provide for that healing. And the person who's perpetuated the harm, um, right? If, if it's something low level, then if they're put into the carceral system, they're likely to come out um, being a more violent offender. So, you know, it, we already have this crime and punishment system, right? And it's already not helping anyone on either side. And then this bill 
also does not provide that, right? Like a lot of the times, if you actually, you know, if you actually listen to people who have been hurt, if you actually listen to people who have been victims of, you know, some type of like, you know, random violence or attack in the street, um, most often they do not necessarily want that person prosecuted. They don't want that person to be punished, right? It doesn't actually make them feel better. What helps them is either like an apology from that person, an acknowledgement, and most the not like just their stuff back like their money or like their bag once they have their stuff back they don't really care so you know it's if we're thinking if we're talking about helping and prevention right like <laughs> we have to look at what is being currently being offered and then say well if we're just being offered more of that or more efficient way of that that doesn't actually help right mm -hmm. like yeah. none, none of these bills and none of these um, things actually provide resources for for people or their families who've been hurt right all of that is done through like gofundme and then you know that yeah especially old, like that old woman had to like donate her the money away to be like no I, I don't need this right but it's all it's it's part of like u.s culture right it's mm, everything that yeah. should be healthcare that should be provided yeah. for by the state mm -hmm. is provided by say, like strangers. one of the main issues will be healthcare, like the medical bills that people will accrue from being mm -hmm. beaten up Mm -hmm. Having to go to the ER can cost a thousand dollars. And the mental health care that you need afterwards after being assaulted like randomly in the street or yeah, by a random person, like um, yeah, then you're gonna have massive health repercussions, mental health repercussions. And you know, yeah, what about the language barriers there? You know, can you get mental health professional help um if you don't speak English? So. You so, both lived for a long time in the US. I've never lived there, but the the <laughs> uh, the GoFundMe's are oh god wild, wild like GoFundMe because someone punched me in the face and broke my jaw. You know, like and I don't have the money, uh, and I, I don't will, have I the bankrupt. money for medical bills. Yeah, I'll go bankrupt. That's yeah, crazy. Or I lose yeah. my job. Yeah, <laughs> if I lose my job, I'll no health insurance. I can't believe that's normal over there. That's just. Ugh very normalized even yeah even the founder of gofundme right the ceo had to be like mm -hmm. whoa this is not this is not what our platform was intended to mm -hmm. use for and we're really disappointed in, in mm -hmm. the government for not providing for people because we're not this isn't what it's supposed to be maybe we um, should have a gofundme to lobby the government for health <laughs> yeah yeah i doubt we can make as much as the pharmaceutical companies can. <laughs> yeah. what's the difference between this one and the um i guess the hate crimes act of 1960. Oh, like the earlier one? Yeah, good yeah. question. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't really tell either. Like, it didn't seem, it seemed to be, uh, even though it doesn't, it doesn't put a specific number in funding, right? It just seems to be a push towards more funding for the police. I mean, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's actually the outcome, right? Like, that's not the, mm -hmm. that's obviously not the narrative that they're, they're, they're pushing. But yeah, I think this one is just more somehow more focused on like, I guess, at the anti-Asian hate crimes. Um, and, uh, but yeah, but even, even that, right? Like even now there's been some reporting on the actual, uh, you know, incidents and the demographics and the breakdown. And actually, you know, the, the bill writer herself um, said that uh, half of the incidents that were recorded in New York City were um, perpetrated by um, people who were mentally ill. So, you know, great, we're recording, we're recording incidents of violence against Asian people, but how can you, how can you say that that is a hate crime, right, if we can't really speak to the intent of the person who, you know, who committed the act of violence, whatever it was, uh, you know, it just seems, again, right, if we're, if we're talking about prevention, which mm -hmm. this bill is said it tackles, right, a huge then if it's 50% of the incidents in New York City, right, then surely a massive um, way to actually address prevention would be to address mental health. Um, but, you know, that's nowhere on the bill. But there's uh, nothing about prevention in this bill. Yeah. Uh -huh. There is a there's like one line. So I, I skimmed it. There is, <laughs> there is one line. Um, but there's a, the, 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 the word crime, I didn't count it, but let, if you do a quick word search, I mean, the word crime comes up so much in this. There is one line about diverting things to educational programs, and then there's a little mm. line at the end about um, sort of uh, requiring somebody to go through, you know, a kind of tra anti-racism training or something like that at the at at the end like at Can the end of their even. sentence or something but it, it's How very that like that's two work? lines out of eight <laughs> pages so it, it's very it's very little um it's it's yeah it's a very tokenistic kind of gesture towards 
uh, uh -huh. towards the non-crime aspects of this. Yeah, and you know, more more funding towards a uh, towards a resource that already exists already mm. has uh, one of the highest budgets in the city mm. uh, in in most cities, whether it's LA or New York, right? Uh, and their job description is to, I guess, prevent crime. Although not not really, because they're they're also not obliged to help anyone. Actually, right? There's no law that actually requires police to actually help anyone. That's not part of their job description. Um, so yeah, so why why give more resources to uh, or more money to you know a, a group that already exists and has never helped and actually usually contributes to more violence, right? Like especially especially if you're a vulnerable person, <laughs> actually, especially if you're marginalized. And you know, I think a, a lot of people who fall, yeah, what, even if you make the reporting easier, people who are, might be worried about the immigration status mm -hmm. will not necessarily go to the police as they shouldn't actually, mm -hmm. because the police yeah. are known to work with ICE and, mm -hmm. and ICE agents have been known to impersonate police actually. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so it, it's, that's not going to change the way that these communities interact with police. I was really looking for something specific about um, this cannot lead to a deportation. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, because the when this bill was being discussed, actually, mm -hmm. I think in the House, it wouldn't have got through. Yeah, you know, Biden signed off the mm -hmm. deportation of like uh, thousands of like Vietnamese and Southeast Asian mm -hmm. people. So, yeah, yeah, you're not going to call the cops if you're if you're illegal. That's that's like not going to happen. So let's like just backtrack a little on some things that might be good about it <clears throat> before going on. Just in terms of you did you did sort of mention this before away like why the accumulation of like hate crimes data is helpful just in the why is that a good thing for me yes in general um, well it's, I, I think i think more information is always a good thing as long as it's good information um so i think being able to collect data more easily and to be able to report data more easily is fine i don't think it's a bad thing i think it's only going to affect like setting up a website for example is one of the things in the bill so i think that's going to be good for you know upper middle class asian people basically who um who are tech savvy um i think having um additional language support um pledging additional language support is also going to be a good thing um just because not not because that improves anything specifically, but because um, it is traumatic. If you have undergone a hate, if you have experienced a hate crime and then you report to the police, it's double traumatic if they don't believe you. You know, it just makes you feel even worse. So removing that, that's not a bad thing. Does it do Does it do more than you know? Does it do anything to tackle the causes of hate crime? No, but. I mean, I guess my yeah. issue with that would be like, mm -hmm. I can't imagine the police don't have a, a multi-language translation thing. Mm -hmm. They don't really in your city. <laughs> they don't? Yeah. I know. Mean, I, I was, yeah, I was volunteer services that... I looked into it, it yeah. and before this bill, or this act, um, yeah, more often than not, even, even for Spanish language speakers, uh, it, they would have trouble uh, getting someone in... Uh, because I just know that like there are like all these services like when you call in that you can go to a like translation switchboard, you mm -hmm. know, like you can just so they must have something simple like that, like and that's not going to cost. But this is a federal bill, right? So you, you lived in L.A. and just lived in New York. This is a federal bill with um, stipulations requiring that each state to to do this. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, sure. Have so that's good. Like, that's great, I think yeah. that's good. If that's what I mean, I just um, I do wonder how much money they're going to put in, like increase their funding because of this very little thing, which just makes you wonder, well, where is their budget going anyway? Because like it's billions of dollars in in California and mm -hmm. um, we're talking about billions of dollars for the police department. So they should be able to afford this very little um, service. But that would be a positive for this this act if it if that is the only thing that comes out of it which it seems like the, mm -hmm. that is yeah. the main thing but I you mean, know but, but to your yeah. point eliana as well right like there there is a hate crimes act that was already, yeah, yeah. passed in the 70s and so the, the federal government has already been collecting data on hate crimes yeah. um and they haven't done shit with it so. <laughs> 
it's uh, it's hard for me to imagine that this will prompt them into further action, right? Because yeah. I, I think, especially in the way that this act now is being presented, right? You know, around the time that the bill was first passed, you know, as we said in the beginning, all the language and in the media and the language I think now from Biden and Harris as well is right. Like I think, well, I think now they're saying, yeah, this is the first step, right? But it's also very much like, yeah, and we've done it everyone we've done it yeah, we've done something this first step many yeah. times you never get to the second step <laughs> no, they didn't do something so that's like what's really annoying <laughs> yeah. the, the the thing is that i noticed was is that on the first page in the biggest writing they have mentioned the names of the um eight people who were murdered in uh, atlanta georgia and then they write out all of the all of the things that they're going to do in this act and at the end of it i thought where is it where are any of these actions relevant to the eight people who yeah. got killed not this, would not, this would not have there's there's nothing that would have gone differently in that specific tragedy that had this act already been in place nothing um because, because yeah because the rest of it is all about reporting mm -hmm. and right those people are dead mm -hmm. so those people are dead. The, the guy was racist there was you know he he's possibly he, mentally ill right yeah i mean there was i mean granted they always say that when it's a white person but right. um he did also seem i mean everyone who murders someone is mentally ill in a way i guess yes well people murder people for mm -hmm. i mean the police murdered black people all the time yeah. right? and they're not mentally ill yeah or in war i guess but you know depends how you want to no i think i think yeah. let's not stigmatize people with mm. mental illness because mm. the majority of people with mental illness don't do anything harmful against other people uh they most often harm themselves unfortunately mm. and yes we go yeah. back to the mental health care <laughs> yeah but i mean in this particular case what could have prevented that was maybe his access to guns like, I mean, step I think one. Gun, yeah, gun step one, issue. honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really Oh, multiple. yeah, let's not forget that. Yeah, I know. It's very we easy. We haven't even mentioned that, that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think with all these things, right, it's very multifaceted. And if we want to look at actual root cause, right, there's a few things we could probably point to, right? White supremacy, right? The, the idea mm -hmm. that, you know, white men especially, right? And there's like this lone wolf thing, like this this idea of, you know, things that are owed to them, right, that they're entitled to. And in this case, it's women's bodies. And in this case, specifically, it's Asian women's bodies, right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the, I think he pointed out, right, the kind of frustration that he felt. Um, so yeah, so there's white supremacy. And then there's also patriarchy, right, like, or white supremacist patriarchy in this point, uh, in this case, um, right, the, the kind of the feeling that yeah, men, certain men have ownership over women, and then when they're rejected, or when they feel like they're, they don't have access to those women's bodies, right, then they use violence. And how do they use violence in the US? It's very easy to use guns as violence, uh, very quick, efficient. Um, and also there's precedent, right? Like, you know, white men do this type of shit all the time, they get a lot of attention, they get a lot of press, they get to be martyred. Um, and, you know, they know that nothing bad's going to happen to them because when the police approach them, right, it's, it's always very calm, you know, or, or, or they can turn themselves in and no incidents happen, right, or they get taken to like Burger King. So, um, yeah, <laughs> so, you know, like a religious extremist thing, at least that was part of the reporting. Was like he sure. was oh, yeah, he did. Extremist. He said that Asian women would or tempting women were tempting him. him and he wanted to No, actually, yeah, sorry, that is what he said to the white policeman who took um who took his uh statement and then the white policeman then made a public statement saying uh the the suspect has has declared that he that the murder was not racially motivated therefore it was yeah therefore it's motivated. <laughs> right the, the deranged murderer yeah. said it wasn't he wasn't racist <laughs> let's yeah you have an interest in restorative justice. Do you think that the act could do more um, to help maybe the family of the victims? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like <clears> if, we're, <throat> if we actually want to, if we, even if we were to take the, what it says at face value, right? That this, this act is supposed to help address the, the killing um, of these women in Atlanta, right? Then mm. it wouldn't just be one bill that we're trying to pass or one act that would become law, right? Because we would have to think about gun control. We would have to think about 
um, yeah, how do we dismantle white supremacy? How do we dismantle patriarchy? And that, that's the thing that the, 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 the sad thing about this specific um, incident or this, these murders that happened is that, you know, uh, violence against women in any community, right, is ongoing, it's persistent, um, it's constant. If you look at the statistics, it's horrifying. Um, you know, women just die at the hands of men and men that they know and love at an alarming rate, you know, like women aren't out there killing other women or men for that matter. Like men are out there killing each other and also the women that they supposedly love. So this is an ongoing epidemic that does not get, never gets addressed by any bill or like, you know, not any like news coverage. I mean, like, you know, um, Central and South American activists do an amazing job of like really voicing this and like really uh, bringing it to, to like a global stage, like with their protests. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we don't really have like a movement uh, that is, you know, there's Me Too, which is more about like sexual harassment, uh, you know, in, in, prof- in professional spaces, um, which is a specific aspect of this, right? But, you know, generally like violence against women is just not something that anyone really rallies behind, you know, and it, it just happens. And then yeah. when these kind of really popular, not popular, but like when these really um, kind of shocking, I guess, incidents mm-hmm. uh, become like you know national international like news right that's when we start but then we we also then just start treating it as its own incident right like oh this one white person one white man committed this heinous act against like mm-hmm. these women, and you know it's kind of treated kind of self-contained um so yeah like the, the sad thing for me is always that you know we don't we don't look at these incidents and then say you know there needs to be material change within our societies um to actually address this epidemic of violence against women and it's not seen as such. Um, and so, yeah, like if we're talking about how to actually help these women or to help the families of these women, right, is actually to start treating um, these things um, or to start treating violence against women as not just, you know, individual incidents, right, but as things that as a society that we've really failed to address. Um, and, you know, that that takes a lot of effort and that actually just takes one the recognition by men that this is actually a holistic problem, right, that we need to face. So So almost like I feel like with these is um, with that particular crime, just having the debate around whether or not it's a hate crime or blah, blah, blah. It's just kind of distracting because like, how does that Mm -hmm. I just don't see how that makes a difference. I think, yeah, I think for I think, yeah, for a a police um, officer to just come out first day and to Mm -hmm. like be dismissive, um, I think yeah, for a white police officer. Um, to make that dismissive statement, I think is is harmful, right? Um, but I think in this specific case, yeah, and like not designating a hate crime, I agree, I don't really care about that. But I think understanding that it was racially and sexually motivated mm-hmm. um, and, you know, making sure that those two elements are underscored, I think that is important, right? Because that does speak to the culture um, that we have created and the culture that this person is living in, right? Like none of these things happen in a vacuum. Like he didn't just, he didn't make like- Make up hate for Asians and- Right, exactly. He didn't, um, yeah, yeah, he didn't just like sit in his basement alone and then develop these feelings, right? It's like what he's been exposed to, what we've all been exposed to. Uh, and that just comes out in a person like him uh, as something like this, right? And then so I think that by dismissing those elements, um, that is actually harmful because then mm. we're not, we're not uh, addressing like, yeah, you can, you can speak to gun control and you can say like, okay, that's an element that will, would help, would have helped the situation, but it doesn't address the deeper, right. The deeper feelings that he had, um, which were misogynistic and racist. And so we have another, another instance of platitudes towards the Asian American community. I mean, most like American really. Um, Mm. And no no structural change and at the same time right and wait and i talk about this a lot at the same time you have this continued escalating rhetoric right against chinese people specifically mm-hmm. um and against the chinese government and against china um and you know so again this, this is what makes it really difficult to listen to biden speak right because he'll say yeah hate has no bias there's no place mm-hmm. here in this country and yet you know the aggressive rhetoric against China is uncontrolled mm-hmm. and it's not, and it's not even, yeah, not and it's not really addressed, part. right? Yeah. And it's allowed because, you know, for some reason, everything they do is is bad. It gets <laughs> invoked, you know, yeah. Like, um, obviously you should criticize China when they've done something, but 
don't uncritically parrot, you know, CIA talking points or like regime change talking points. I think that's completely unnecessary. And you're, you're harming Asian Americans in that way. I do get a little uncomfortable about conflating the Chinese government with Chinese people in general, Asian Americans mm -hmm. in general. But I think that the difference here is that the way that Biden speaks about China, like we're not going to let them, you know, not on yeah. our watch. Yeah. You know, it's like it's very much steeped in racism because mm. you wouldn't really get away with talking about an entire country in this way if like your sort of basic understanding of that country is already sort of steeped in in the yellow in peril. yellow peril yeah like you wouldn't be able to <laughs> like so i think that's where it's like different from just criticizing the government or exactly. if they do something mm. you know yeah um, exactly it's always just the assumption right and it's like you know they're saying something like yeah not on our watch as if they're always plotting to do mm. something insidious yeah. and therefore we have to be vigilant about them doing that right and then again it's just like this this trope of like, yeah, you know, Chinese Americans are like double agents, you know, mm. of China and, you know, and, and they do this, right? They like, you know, when my dad went to work for the US, they, they mm. did really extensive background checks because, you know, oh he, he works in the oil industry mm. and that's a national resource. Mm. Therefore, you know, you have to check to see if he has any connections with like the CCP and like, definitely doesn't. Um, but, you know, it's like this, you know, this constant, um, constant othering and, you know, Oftentimes, I can't tell the difference between someone who's of Chinese or Japanese or Korean origin. So, you know, of course, the suspicion and this hate and this, you know, um, kind of violent mentality is going to seep into more than just, you know, uh, Chinese heritage people, right? Like it's going to be across the board. And, you know, a, a lot of racist people are also not going to be able to discern Southeast Asians even from, from that either so you know it just translates as this like broad strokes thing and something like really interesting that um i heard about the other day was how you know the way that um americans and western culture consumes uh you know different types of eastern culture right so if it's korean or japanese right there's kind of that kawaii culture culture there's like you know k-pop and it's kind of like this mm. like friendly fetishization that mm. can happen um mm. but there's no like ultimate threat right or there's no underlying threat because you know especially after world war ii you know the japanese were able to rebrand themselves but also you know they, they're just there's not that sentiment here right whereas like china has no like cute like exports that you know people can just harmlessly not that it's harmless right but you know in comparison harmlessly consume mm -hmm. um and so the the attention and the 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 thinking on china right is that oh it's yeah it's like this you know, quote unquote, like sleeping dragon that's mm. going to come and like, you know, take over. And, and you know, this conflation as well between like how, how the Russians operate, right? Versus like in their foreign policy versus how like the Chinese would actually operate. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just adding to this, this like sentiment and there's nothing, there's nothing in like Western culture that, uh, that takes favorably uh, from the Chinese. So all we're left with is this like suspicion and, thinking that they're going to take over whatever that means um and uh yeah so it's it's kind of creating this tension as well yeah they wouldn't even let china have pandas you know like china were like you know using panda diplomacy to get people to um <laughs> to recognize you know they were lending these pandas to the zoo and um i remember the japanese uh, prime minister even like commented that he like doesn't like pandas or something like that it's just it's so um, like there's so much i know he's he's lying nobody doesn't like pandas. he's a liar he's, he's racist um and then um yeah and also like a couple of articles here and there in English as well, not just not just in Japan, but um, just seemed kind of like anti-panda sentiment, um, but, you know, laced with kind of this feeling of anti-China sentiment, really, by proxy. Oh, we lost Jasper, but... Anti-panda hate is real. Jess <laughs> needed a moment. <laughs> Jess was just like, I can't. I, I can't like, do this. Don't Look, slander the pandas. For, yeah, come for the CCP, but and come for my people, but do not come for pandas. <laughs> yeah, they're innocent in all of this. I mean, I would say even the K-pop, like the kawaii culture, is not mm. that innocent either. Like, I mean, mm, the sure. fetishization yeah, yeah, of like Asian women. So, um, but you're right in that it's more. It's not as scary. 
<laughs> a K-pop star is not as scary as the CCP <laughs> or spies. Um, so what do you think actually needs to be done? Like we've talked, I, I guess, like I've been thinking about this for months now, like with all these organizations coming up and what actually can help? It just seems like all the things that are coming up like are like discussions around stereotypes about, but it just seems like this is just, this is across the board. This applies to everybody, like stereotypes for every ethnic group. Like it's mm-hmm. not just Asians. It just seems like all the same lessons um, mm-hmm. over and over, but now it, we're stamping Asian on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And I think what's really interesting is, you know, um, I, I personally have seen many um like Asian activists uh, last year during Black Lives Matter and, you know, obviously historically as well, um, right? Talk about, you know, liberation for all marginalized people and, you know, working on these fronts. And it's been interesting to see, you know, these like anti-Asian hate rallies and protests and, you know, things that have come up. And I think to your point, a a lot of them kind of fall into the same traps or like at least uh, fall into the same hurdles um, that we've seen in other movements. And the main one being, right, really kind of looking at things on the surface level and, you know, really playing into just like mere identity politics, right? Identity politics in the in the more um, modern sense, right? Not, not when it was first created, right? By, you know, the Combat Hue Collective um, of Black women who, used it to say like, we need to create a framework um, to deal with issues that affect us and the issues that affect us are intersectional, right? It's like race, class um, and gender uh, and other things. Um, whereas now it's like, oh, let's have someone say Andrew Yang who looks like us represent us and having that representation will be good enough or will be good, right? Or like, let's lobby or let's advocate for this hate crimes bill to be passed. and. Now that it's become an act, right? We can all like clap and like be happy about that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and the, the problem with that, right, is that like we're not we're not thinking about the consequences that it has for other communities, right? For so, for example, if we're talking about bringing more resources into uh, into police or local law enforcement, then we're saying we're fine with you know funding police to to commit more crimes. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the people that are actually creating crimes, uh, right, for them to be violent against black and brown communities. Like that's what we're saying. We're saying that's okay. Even though last year we said that's not okay. I actually just recently learned that in the 70s, um, Peter Yu was a Chinese man who went to assist this 15 year old Chinese boy that was being beaten up by the police. And, you know, he went to help and was like, you gotta stop doing that. So the police rewarded him with his own beating and arrest. Um, and actually Chinatown, the residents of Chinatown protested that, um, they were out in the streets and like, you know, on the signs of businesses that said, you know, we're out protesting police brutality. So, you know, I think East Asians have forgotten about, uh, at least I didn't hear this until very recently, um, have forgotten about our own history with protesting. But again, right. Um, there've been many prominent Asians uh, in the civil rights movement, um, Asian women actually. Um, so yeah, so I think, you know, we can't forget that uh, this, you know, this fight for liberation is something that we've all had to contribute to, right? The passing of the, of the Civil Rights Act was the one um, that essentially had to end, at least legally, like discrimination against Chinese people, like that was done against them. Um, so, yeah, and I think that the reason why civil rights movements have failed in the past and what we've talked about before is when we're not looking out for everyone or when we're saying to uplift ourselves, it's okay to tread on these other people, right? Because then we're talking about like, all right, other people then deserve to be like, you know, because then we get into this like weird territory of, okay, but if we have to fight for our liberation and the treatment that happened to us was undeserved, then we can't make that argument against other people or other immigrants. And I, I actually see this in immigrant communities, right? Like, and again, historically, this has happened in the US, right? You know, you got your Italian, your Polish, and then your Irish, and then like they all kind of like fight, and then, you know, it becomes, oh, well, we're not like those other, the, the new immigrants that are coming in. It happens in the EU as well, right? Like, oh, well, we're not like the Romanians or like the Polish, um, you know, we're, we're different 
white people, which is another <laughs> mindfuck on its own. So um, yeah, so I think it's just really worth not forgetting that. And I think, you know, it will take longer, right? Obviously it seems like giving resources to law enforcement and having better reporting techniques um, is good, maybe in the short term, but right to, to what we've all been saying is that it doesn't actually address anything systemically. And in fact, it can, you know, reinforce these institutions, right? That have been harming, not just black and brown people, but Asian people as well, consistently actually. Um, so yeah, I think it's just being aware of that and then saying, okay, well, what is actually step two? Right, like what we talk about, uh, we've seen, you know, we've seen people out in the streets protesting. It's now no one can claim that they don't understand. The same with, you know, the Black Liberation Movement. Right now, no one can claim to say that they don't know what Black Lives Matter is. Now, no one can claim that they don't know the rise in like anti-Asian like violence or sentiment. So then it's like, what is that step two? But before we get there, we all have to be real about, you know, what we actually think the causes are and like how to actually address them. Yeah, and um, being real about what the causes are, and also you made a really good point about the police brutality against um, the Asian community too, because that's completely overlooked. In fact, like I think one of the things that needs to be dismantled is kind of the, how the media coverage always uncritically does this thing where it's like they'll show an Asian person that goes and now I'm worried about my father or worried mm. about you know it's like so specific to you know mm. you, you weren't worried about your father before this like you're mm. only worried now because you saw another Asian man get beat up it's like so bizarre that there's such a lack of empathy for when other people get beaten up that you mm -hmm. don't think that it could happen to you and so like it's like over and over it's not just one incident I've mm -hmm. seen that in almost every interview about anti-Asian um <laughs> anti-Asian hate anti <laughs> <laughs> yeah and individually those those feelings are valid right because when you see yeah. somebody that looks like your father being targeted and and, and uh, I don't think they're valid like then, I think they're yeah. understandable I don't yeah. think they're valid because the truth is your dad could have been targeted before this recent spate like yeah you, I don't know if I feel that way but exists? yeah I mean I don't know if I feel that way but 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 I think, think like the dead. holding up of individual <laughs> experiences um to and anecdotal experiences to, um and then only addressing those things rather than the structural uh rather than the structural things that that have that that create those experiences I, think I mean only like only caring about it when it like directly impacts you, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of the. I For mean, sure. And For it's sure. not not that that like I'm I'm sure if we talk to any of these people, um, they do care more than just about themselves. But the thing is, the media narrative makes mm -hmm. it so that yep. it's mm -hmm. completely acceptable to say mm -hmm. these things over and over without understanding. Oh, you know what? If it affects our community, it affects everybody. You know, it's like always like just about the individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, personal story. Yeah, and you know, to your point about the media as well, right? Is that they've really tried to push this narrative that it's an issue with with like the black and Asian community, the East yeah. Asian community, and this yeah, is again have, yeah. historically always been the case, right? You know, obviously the uh, Rodney King um, situation and like the the rights that came after and the violence mm -hmm. that came after um, that didn't mm -hmm. help. Uh, but you know, there's been a lot of effort in in the LA communities to, to repair that uh, and to address that. And, you know, as soon as these, you know, anti-Asian incidents were occurring, you know, there were rallies and there were like uh, steps, you know, in those communities to kind of speak out on it. Um, and, you know, like I said, right, there's lots of, there's lots of cross-fertilization like within, within the movements or just within liberation movements in general. Um, but right, but the media doesn't ever show that. And then, so you have these very disappointing comments and this, this very disappointing viewpoint, right? That, you know, oh, you know, when have they done things for us, right? Mm. And also, oh, well, they're just violent. So they're more mm. violent. So, you know, why are we like, you know, why are we not protecting ourselves, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, so the media has a huge role to play in that. And then, but, you know, in, in the latest research that I think have come out of all the things, I think the incidents that have been reported on the media, like overwhelmingly uh, over 95% were perpetrated by white men. Um, and the vast majority of those 
people identify as you know Trump supporters. And, you know, there are several incidents, again, right, with people of color um, who are mentally ill, uh, you know, and like a really high percentage of that occurring in New York City. So, um, yeah, it's like this, uh, this is something else that we're fighting against as well, right? It's like this mm -hmm. narrative that we're all competing with each other. Mm -hmm. um, that, and again, like the model minority, minority myth comes into this as well, right? Like, yeah, like these Asians, these poor Asians, East Asians need to be protected. Like mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're helpless. Um, and you know they're victims of, and of they deserve things. to be protected because they're model they're model exactly yeah and also by like you but, would never know that 95 percent of the perpetrators were white men by the media coverage and no. this is like by the so-called left-leaning media and i include you guardian and like new york times especially or yeah basically like most of them have been have been actually just quoting each other so I yes. saw um, and amplifying any kind of story that is um, a black or brown person being racist to a, a, an Asian person, uh, and ev and I think the common the, the 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 kind of common feeling is that most of these perpetrators are black or brown, and and they're not. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah, um, that's definitely the most common narrative. Mm -hmm. I think. Um, yeah. Um, because yeah, it's just like anecdotally, that's been said to me like several times. Mm -hmm. Actually, there was a there was a um I I think it was either the Guardian or some kind of like left leaning publication, and and it was about a Black Lives Matter activist, so called so called Black Lives Matter activist who who got caught uh who got caught doing an anti Asian hate incident, and um. And then it had, you know, how they have the blue links. And I clicked on the blue link um, and it went to the original article and it was from a right-wing publication. And, and, act, uh, and the, the publication was kind of gleefully saying how he was a Black Lives Matter activist and how he was, a, he was a staunch supporter of the Democratic Party. But of course, when it went to the left-leaning publication, the, the Democratic Party part got left out, but the Black Lives Matter part stayed in. So yeah. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> also, he's a, yeah. a Black Lives Matter activist and a staunch Democratic. Yeah, exactly. He's just yeah, a yeah. Mess. So he's I mean, <laughs> I'll send you the article. It's it's just absolute BS. But oh you know. my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's just another way to distract us from the real problem, which is mm. like structural racism, white supremacy, and just pitting everybody against each other. Um. So I still don't know what any of the solutions are in terms of what do we do? Like, what what do people do about that? Like, it's just like dismantling stereotypes all the time. But it's like sometimes I think yeah. I mean, we 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 stick to things solutions at the local level, right? So uh, in New York City, right? You know, the mayor the mayoral race is upcoming, and you know there are only a few candidates that are you know for defunding of the NYPD, um, reinvesting in communities, um, right? The, and then there's there's already things that are happening. I think New York City now is, um, or they're trialing for like mental health issues, not sending the police, uh, sending like, you know, special like, or people who are trained <laughs> uh, instead. Um, in New York City as well, they just, I think, decriminalized, or at least uh, you can't make arrests on solicitations anymore. So, right, so trying to decriminalize to some extent sex work, which mm -hmm. again, you know, will help, um, will help women mostly um, who are vulnerable in, in those situations. Um, and, and yeah, right, like, you know, let's find local politicians and candidates who will advocate for and who will put funding in, right, after, uh, after violent incidents happened, right, mm -hmm. um, mental health services. Or, uh, or yeah, looking at aid, right, in terms of like financial aid or help, or yeah, as you were saying, like medical costs. So there's like a lot of practical things that you can do like at a local level, right? And, and I think if you are East Asian or any kind of Asian, being involved in your communities um, and just seeing what they need and like seeing what they, they want, right? Like a lot of the time, you know, people need like translation services or like, you know, what I used to do, just get groceries for like old Asian people, right? Like they can't say in English what they need down the phone to like a white person. So mm -hmm. 
use your basic <laughs> Mandarin or whatever uh, language skills and, and help them like on a personal level and show that like community is still um, is still there. Um, but yeah, I think honestly getting involved or at least understanding what changes can happen locally at local politics at that level. Um, you know, I think these changes can ricochet, right? Like, you know, if we take, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars from the police like there and here to like to put in these other services like that can add up to like millions of dollars of, of money being divested from the police, um, which will in turn, you know, help other every community essentially, right? And again, right, also being very, um, in the US at least, right, being very vigilant about ICE, right? You know, yes, yeah. they're detaining and, um, you know, mostly targeting, you know, brown communities, but, you know, they also very target a lot like Southeast Asian communities as well. Um, and, and then- People who have spent their whole lives in the US as well are being mm -hmm. deported. Yeah, it's, it's very arbitrary. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, you you may have committed a crime like 20 years mm -hmm. ago, they can just pull you in, uh, in like one of your standard meetings uh, with your parole officer and be like, all right, you're out. Um, even after you've served time for that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, and then it's like in the US, in New York specifically as well, it's like understanding that you're the least served communities are actually um, Chinese communities. Um, Chinese communities I think have the most, uh, is the most disparate in terms of income levels. Mm -hmm. um, so again, right, like understanding that and amplifying that, right? Because that again gets lost in this model minority myth, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, all East Asians are, are productive and rich and financially successful. And uh, that's just not true uh, in a city like New York where the poorest ones, um, you know, some of the poorest schools have, you know, Chinese children. Mm -hmm. um, I think what Chicago did recently or Illinois did recently was, you know, make sure that uh, teaching, you know, um, API history uh, <laughs> in schools, uh, right? That, that, can, that can also be a, a good like long-term solution as well, so. Oh, they weren't doing that before? There's no federal uh, mandate for teaching Asian American or uh, Pacific Islander history at all. Um, so yeah, some states are now starting to to look into that as a as a thing that they might start doing. <laughs> yeah, instead of funding, instead of you know funding the police even more, why don't you divert money into organizations or projects that elevate Asian American people and and help communities and things like that. Also, I, I get uh, the, the fact that this bill was so overwhelmingly passed, mm -hmm. I think also speaks to the, the idea that it was just, it was just way too weak, you know, like, yeah. um, like the fact that so many Republicans voted for it just means that it just means that it was utter crap. I mean, yeah, the fact that they made such a big deal about it being bipartisan. Yeah. Like, it's like... Oh, they were saying, oh, it's like one of the few bipartisan, mm -hmm. which it shouldn't have been that easy. It's yeah, it's it means it. Yeah, it means it didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it, and I think I think what we've been saying as well, right, is that there's no point in treating any of this as like specifically, you know, for Asian people specifically, yeah, you know, no our needs and what we're missing and right, our, uh, what, our prejudices and um, the way that we're oppressed is not unique necessarily. No. Um, it comes, it comes I mean, it may have unique way, but. Factor. Yeah, it may have unique details, but mm -hmm. the effect is the same thing. And it's just mm -hmm. like translation services should be for every department, really, not just only specifically for hate crimes. Like it's just mm -hmm. like yeah. this bizarre yeah. thing that. Yeah, translation services in, you know, social services maybe. Yeah, 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 right, and not just for Asian languages, mm -hmm. right? For yeah, for every for language, really. Yeah, um, and um, and yeah, I think what's interesting, like, if we're talking about like the bipartisanship and like the championing of this or something like that, and mm -hmm. a success, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we we heard very similar comments after you know the Derek Chauvin trial, right? You know, he was found mm -hmm. guilty on all counts, mm -hmm. and you know, Biden and Harris said very much the same thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. this is this is a win, this is a triumph, mm -hmm. our system is working. Therefore, everyone should just that be quiet. That does not make now. sense. How how does that show that this was working? If it also, was too Nancy bipartisan, Pelosi, it means no concessions were made. Basically, that's that's why. Yeah. Well, and then it doesn't do anything. Yeah. Exactly. Ultimately, yeah. that's what it is. When Nancy Pelosi came out and said that, like George Floyd did a sacrifice. Oh. You know, uh, it was so disgusting. It was like, no, he was. <laughs> You know, it's just this idea that he, he died for a reason. It's like... He died to teach white people about racism. 
yeah, in the police department. Really? Mm-hmm. No. Um, yeah, it was yeah. really a disgusting covering for um, basically the idea that things haven't really fundamentally changed. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to like, I keep trying to end on a hopeful note and I just <laughs> keep getting dragged. Uh, we, keep, we keep venting. There's nothing wrong with venting. Let's yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, attention is good, yeah. right? We're talking about this, it's good. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing real efforts in solidarity between communities between solidarity is important like that's key because it's just like even if you're just being completely selfish Mm -hmm. like you just have more power in numbers you just really Mm -hmm. do Mm -hmm. um so you've got to like yeah you've got to get as many allies as you like legitimate ones as you possibly can Mm -hmm. um yeah Yeah. it's really at the end of this podcast what we learned is racism is bad (laughs) applies to everybody yeah (laughs) Stereotypes applies to everybody. People of color, please pay attention to each other's struggles and support each other. Uh, and don't buy, don't buy into this performative allyship stuff that, that that keeps going around. And I mean, I would say that even white, uh, even white people, that everybody is affected by police brutality, including white people. And I think maybe that's also something that needs to be address too so they can sort of bring in everybody to understand mm-hmm. it like just giving the police departments military weapons and and like unlimited budgets is just it doesn't help anybody essentially mm-hmm. yeah and you know it's it's really an extension of uh essentially how the u.s and the west operates on the global level right like mm-hmm. look at their support for israel um mm-hmm. and look at the again the solidarity and kind of like the cross-community support for palestinians right like last year um yeah in the movement there was Mm -hmm. you know yeah we 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 saw palestinians um you know were pro-black lives matter Mm -hmm. we had palestinian speakers right to talk about their issues and it was never or should not have been viewed as like oh we're taking away from issues like no like oppression everywhere is mm-hmm. is injustice and it's it's all connected right like it is connected. you know we're especially if you're a u.s citizen right your tax dollars go to israel um and go to the arming and funding of of their troops um so yeah it's 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 all it's all connected right the, the u.s uh, their the state um violence brutality like goes well beyond their borders mm-hmm. um and again right we're seeing also solidarity with colombia because again <laughs> like u.s imperialism um played a hand there mm-hmm. as well and you know i think this this recognition on a global level right because we're talking about solutions again like we can't you know it's like yeah i think in the short term focusing on the local level is great but overall how do we affect these systems well overall these systems exist everywhere in is in the western you know like the police are better in germany they're better in canada but at the end of the day and the better in the uk even right but when push comes to shove as we've seen in the uk as well when you actually challenge those institutions directly, right? The police mm-hmm. do become violent. They do make violent arrests. They they will, if especially if you're anti-police, right? If you're uh-huh. you know, during the Sarah Everard vigils, um, right? They will directly come for you, regardless if you're a white woman or not. So um, and then they will use any any excuse to to in, in, increase their funding. Exactly. Yeah. To to you know keep their position and to mm-hmm. expand their position. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I think really understanding how we're going to fight all of this oppression is yeah it's like really understanding that it is real solidarity it's not like oh if i do this it'll help me and kind of help you it's like no it will genuinely help everyone if we genuinely address things at the root right if we genuinely genuinely liberate you know our most marginalized from being oppressed and you know from state violence then that means we will by definition also prevent that from happening to us um so yeah it's not it's not just something that we do to get the best out for ourselves, right? And it's not a zero-sum game. It's like, no, it's actually beneficial, has a multiply impact um, for everyone, so. Yeah. So again, it just comes down to the same basic things that we need to have, healthcare, social net, net, you know, just like better better programs or... um, structures that that uh, lead to an egalitarian society it's like always the same thing that would well i mean that probably is my class reductionist coming back, coming back out but yeah it, it would help 
in the long term with with all these issues of racism as well um well thank you so much for um this very long conversation about this anti-asian hate crime act, crime act. <laughs> anti anti-asian hate you. it was um, yeah. fun to rent for sure thank you yeah did you learn anything way do you think oh yeah so much <laughs> really what i don't know what did i learn <laughs> what did i learn um that i think I, I i learned that um just be very very suspicious of anything of things that purport to be anti-racism interrogate those sources and make sure they are actually anti-racist right yeah mm -hmm. yeah um exactly which yeah that whole thing about just see if it's being weaponized in some way against us i guess um yeah um and also the other thing that i learned was um that story about the police brutality against the chinese manager mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. Which makes a lot of sense. It's inevitable. I'm sure there's so many other instances mm -hmm. of police brutality across the board. I mean, it's just like, like I was saying, it's just the mentality of the police department. Um, yeah, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.